This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good night, and should I say good morning to all of you. Uh, this is the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Calendar. The Sweet 16 is in the books, and we, we've got some uh, we got some upsets here. And uh, joining me tonight is Cam, who is now celebrating a victory by his Texas Tech Red Raiders over Purdue to make it into the Elite Eight. Cam, how are you feeling tonight as an alum? Oh my fucking God. Get the fuck out of here. We're fucking in the Elite Eight. It's the best feeling ever. So, we'll let uh, Dwayne... Family friendly, Cam. Obviously, Cam is very (laughs) excited, folks. So, I apologize for his exuberance there. But yes, Cam is... uh, very excited at the moment because uh, I would of, love a lot more, but uh, I'll give Dwayne the, the the rings on this one. But I'm very excited. <laughs> Number, this is the first time ever in Texas Tech history. Here we go, baby! Now, Cam, you've got a matchup, and we'll 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 walk it back through uh, what happened in each matchup uh, in the Sweet Sixteen. But you now have a matchup against. Who uh, a team many consider to be the presumptive favorite left in the tournament now in Villanova. Uh, how, how do you feel about that upcoming matchup? Hey, uh, we give zero shits. Even if they win, it doesn't matter. We already beat our record, so yeah, going in. So it's it's already a party time for you, basically. Uh, basically, yes. So, I mean, what else is a tournament? I mean, all right. So, if if when we go back through all this, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll peel back the onion here and let's go through the matchups one by one uh, just uh, just so we uh, recap it for everyone. So, uh, going with the games last night, you had a thrilling matchup between Loyola-Chicago and... Uh, Going up against Nevada, Loyola Chicago once again nipping their opponent pretty much at the wire, uh, winning 69-68. They're moving on against a team that 
no one really gave a chance uh, last night. And Kansas State managed to find a way of having Kentucky just shoot awful from the field last night. Uh, Kansas State wins this one 61-58 on the basis of the fact that uh, Kentucky could not shoot their free throws. Uh, uh, Kentucky uh, and uh, uh, P.J. Washington had a horrendous night shooting uh, from uh, the charity stripe, uh, uh, going 7 of 18 from the free throw line. But uh, uh, that really uh, was uh, the bulk of the story. Uh, Kentucky not being able to hit free throws, uh, even beyond Washington, uh, they struggled shooting free throws. And the fact that Kansas State played that game at their tempo. So they slowed everything down and made it a rock fight. And Kentucky just could not deal uh, deal with it. So uh, they go down, uh, which opens up a 9-8 matchup for the first time in NCAA history for the it Elite basically, Eight. It basically just nuked everyone's bracket. Oh, you, the, South, the South is completely torched i mean out of like uh, out of the well just like drop a nuke on it out out of the millions and millions of brackets i believe uh the stat was that only 31 brackets actually had picked this matchup and it's again this is like uh out of all the millions of brackets uh again this is assuming that no one's uh Gambling on these games uh, with uh, NCAA pools, wink, wink. But uh, this is out of millions and millions of brackets. So for it to come down to basically 31 brackets where people were just throwing up uh, uh, darts on the board and just saying, hey, I'm going to pick these brackets because my scoring format favors upset. So I'm going to pick these two, not for any rhyme or reason, but in case one of them hits... I'm going to get a huge point bonus over everyone else in my pool. But, uh, yeah, that that uh, that's just a matchup no one saw coming, nor should they have. If they did, I, I would uh, I would have to cry foul on that one because that, that is a prognosticator, uh, fortune teller, voodoo, hocus pocus, whatever you want to call it, uh, kind of uh, knowledge there because no one saw this potential coming up. No one. Uh, well, so, Well, Texas Tech coming in hot. I mean, Haas was hurt. I mean, that's, I mean that was our main deal. And yeah, uh, yeah, so, came in hot and we, we destroyed them. Yeah, Isaac Haas' uh, his injury definitely played a huge role in, in the uh, win uh, – Tonight for Texas Tech. But uh, one thing I will say, and I'm going to be my victory lap on this one, Cam. But I, I did I, I, I did pick Tech to make it to the Elite Eight. Uh, did on... you know you did. Yes, I did. Yeah. See, see yeah. now, see now, now you got to go back and listen to the podcast. I did pick Tech. Uh, no, what... Over Purdue. Yes, yeah. I did. Even before the Haas injury, before the tournament started, go listen to the podcast with the bracket breakdown. See, that's how I know you were listening because I even gave you a shout out saying Cam's gonna love it when I uh, when I uh, give Tech love here and get, getting into the Elite Eight. I literally said it on the podcast. Uh, well, good shit, man. But uh, yeah, no. In terms of uh, the injury to Haas, I-, I thought that definitely limited Purdue going forward to the tournament. That's why I wasn't even sure if they would even make it this far. I thought they might have actually gone out against Butler. 
but Purdue was actually able to hit some shots against Butler. Tonight, the threes weren't falling nearly as frequently as they did against Butler. And uh, towards the end of the second half, I mean, Tech pulled away, but uh, Tech was comfortably ahead in that game uh, for large stretches uh, of it. I mean, they were ahead the entire second half, but outside of a five-minute span in the first half, uh, Tech was in control of that entire game. I mean, there really wasn't much uh, that Purdue... Uh, had to offer that Tech really uh, hadn't seen before. So I thought Purdue was limited just because uh, without Haas, they couldn't throw the ball into the middle and have Haas create offense because, again, you can't teach size. So when you got an uh, athletic 7-3 center, uh, it's it's hard to guard him. So uh, Haas definitely uh, being out of the lineup hurt. Uh, I know they had Harms, but Harms is not nearly – as developed as an offensive player. And even in the game tonight, Harms, uh, you could tell. Yeah, Harms got emotionally uh, sidetracked in that game with the physicality and uh, had to be calmed, on, calmed down on the sidelines uh, multiple times. Uh, so uh, he his mind was not focused on it because he got taken out of it by the physicality of Tech. So... Uh, that's, a, that's a credit to Chris Beard and his boys because they, they came ready to uh, take it to uh, Purdue and they didn't really uh, let up at, at any point in the second half. And in fact, they, they just kind of solidified what they wanted to do and uh, uh, established themselves. So uh, that mentality is what they're going to need in order to pull off something against Nova because, again, Nova with uh, Jalen Brunson, they're, they're deep uh, in the backcourt. And with the guard play in the NCAA tournament, what it's shown – is the fact that if you got good guard play, it is hard for teams to completely disrupt you and take you out of your offense if your guards can uh, dribble drive and they can also shoot three-pointers uh, to stretch open the court. So uh, a definite sign of uh, of where the game is at this point, but it has been so guard-heavy driven, especially this year, because uh, uh, even with uh, so, uh, some of the things that have been going on, uh, in the NBA, uh, you, you're still seeing uh, uh, guard play be the uh, dominating factor in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, with that being said, uh, let's get into uh, the uh, Midwest region. So, tonight we had Syracuse and Duke, and I'll be honest, I had this one uh, uh, pegged wrong. I thought Duke would win, but I thought this one was going to be a blowout. Uh, instead, Syracuse managed to use the 2-3 zone and a couple of other variations of zone defense to kind of throw off uh, the Duke players, which actually worked in a way uh, because in the first half they had a lot of difficulty pulling away from Syracuse. Second half, they did pull away a bit, and then Syracuse closed the gap with three-pointers and being able to stretch the game out uh, by fouling, uh, which is something that, a lot of teams uh, messed up on uh, in the Sweet 16 round, one of them being Gonzaga. I'll get into that game in a bit, but uh, I give credit to Syracuse and Jim Beheim because Beheim took a team that really did not have a, any business being in the NCAA tournament and got them ready for tournament play, and that's what a Hall of Fame coach can do. I mean, they have talent, no doubt about it, but uh, Syracuse uh, just got into a different mindset once the NCAA tournament started with that playing game against Arizona State, 
and it carried through. So they they uh, they maximized basically everything they could uh, this week. So I give them credit. Uh, so Cam, uh, now that we've got our matchup in the Midwest uh, between Kansas and Duke, uh, Kansas won a nail biter against Clemson. Uh, again, another game that I thought was closer than it had any right to be, but uh, I give Clemson credit for uh, hanging in there and not making too many turnovers. So it made it harder for Kansas to actually uh, pull away in that one just because uh, you, you've got uh, Clemson uh, applying pressure and not uh, causing it, uh, not, not actually turn the ball over to give uh, Kansas the transition points that they were looking for. No, I agree. And uh, Kansas, they're, they're going to come in hard. They're going to be fighting. It's it's going to be bad. Well, I, I hope Kansas wins. Well, as I said before, and I'll keep saying it again throughout this tournament, if you hate Duke, you're probably going to hate this tournament because I think Duke has the run to keep going through. I think they're going to go uh, get past Kansas, and I like their chances if they happen to match up against uh, either Texas Tech or Nova. So uh, I, I like Duke's chances. I don't think you can really game plan for uh, Marvin Bagley the third or Wendell Clark Jr. You've got two NBA centers that can hit threes and stretch the court anywhere uh, they want to, and they can also take uh, put the ball on the ground and uh, take uh, take it uh, take it for a drive because. They're that good ball handling. It's uh, it's a very dangerous uh, pairing. So I'm curious to see how uh, they uh, they get uh, covered from here on out. Because uh, again, they've been trying to go small on Duke. They've been trying to go big on Duke. Nothing's really worked out well. This is the closest anyone's gotten to Duke, and it's because Syracuse uh, disguises their zone so well that it made it harder for Duke. To try to break them down. So, who's who's the winner? Yeah, I, I, I like I said, I like uh, Duke over Kansas in this one. I, I just think that even with uh, Kansas uh, having uh, Graham and uh, with a with a backcourt advantage, I still think uh, if you're looking at shooting guards, uh, you still have uh, Grayson Allen uh, being productive on the outside. And with the bigs of Duke, it's very hard to uh, get a uh, get a edge on them. So I think, if anything, uh, this is one of those situations where uh, Tech, I mean, uh, uh, Kansas has to get off to a good start early and apply the pressure to Duke. Because even though Kansas is number one, I, I have a feeling that most people are expecting Duke to win this game and advance into the Final Four. So... Uh, Kansas has to play with a chip on its ch- uh, shoulder and uh, establish the fact that they're not going to get pushed around. Well, I agree. agree. But what do you think the uh, over-under is going to be? Oh, for that one? Uh, I- I'd say that's, uh, that's probably going to be, I'd say, 158 and a half. I think I think that I think that game's I think that game's gonna be uh, up tempo uh, uh, up tempo and you you believe me I haven't even looked at the lines yet but I I I think it's probably gonna be 
close to 160. So that's why I said 158 and a half. I just think that's going to be an up-tempo game where uh, Kansas is – I think Kansas' best option is to try to speed the game up over Duke. I think if Kansas gets into a half-court game, uh, the bigs for Duke are going to get Kansas into too much trouble – uh, from the foul line, and if you get into a free throw shooting contest with Duke, uh, that's just not going to end well for you because they they've got a good uh, free throw shooters as well. So I, I look at that matchup and say Kansas has to speed it up, but at the same time they got to be smart and not foul too often. Well, I mean that's what we're uh, hoping for. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And moving over to the West, uh, we had some games uh, that were head-scratchers, but uh, let's start off with Michigan-Texas A&M. Ooh, that's disgusting. I mean, you you were there there in Texas uh, following the game, and, I mean, watching that one was shocking because of just how dynamic... uh, uh, Michigan looked. I mean, they they hadn't looked that good all season long. But I mean, especially with just uh, not necessarily being uh, uh, properly on balance with some of the shots they were taking. Everything was going in for Michigan. It didn't matter how ugly the shot looked; it was going in. Uh, so again, Michigan, even though they had that dominant performance, I'm curious to see how they respond. Uh, with a short turnaround in two days, and how uh, how get how strong the legs are, because usually with uh, the second day of games, that's when jump shooting teams uh, tend to have their biggest struggle. So uh, I'm I'm very curious to see how Michigan responds against yet another surprising team Shut to out. make it to Sweet out. Sixteen. I mean, I I I think Michigan Florida State has the potential to be an upset special because of the fact that Florida State uh, plays such a deep bench. They can they can do different uh, things uh, in terms of uh, selections that other teams can't. Uh, just because they play such a deep bench with uh, 10, 11 guys, you know, again, you don't have a star player to lean on, but you have enough annoying little nat players on that Florida State team and a couple of big guys uh, that can rotate in and out, and that's what got to Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga last night struggled mightily. Disgusting, disgusting. Yeah, they struggled mightily against the size of Florida State, uh, and, you know, their athleticism. So I'm curious to see if they can use that defensive intensity to get to, uh, uh, in in order to get to uh, Michigan, because... I think if you can intimidate Michigan just to be a purely three-point shooting team, you're you're more than halfway there. Because right? I, I think more often than not, uh, when those teams have gotten three happy, that's when they played some of their worst uh, basketball. Exactly. I mean, hey, when you're on fire, you're on fire. I mean, they like literally they destroyed everyone in their path. Yeah. So, you know, I agree. Yeah. No. No. They, no. That, that. That's. That's what I kind of like. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how the tournament shapes up tomorrow. But uh, we got another exciting sl- uh, slate of games uh, 
on CBS uh, and uh, TBS and TNT uh, next couple of days. But uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to some of these matchups because we got some curious names that we're not used to seeing, and I'm very interested in seeing how uh, the, uh, they play out just because uh, you've got some <laughs> definitely inexperienced teams uh, making it uh, to the Elite Eight. So uh, good for them, and uh, it should be a good uh, set of games uh, uh, on Saturday. But uh, I want to turn your attention to uh, the NFL camp, and I'll let you take a little bit of a lead on this. Uh, the latest saga with Des Bryant. Uh, how are you feeling about your boy, Cam? So, uh, what do you got for us, Cam? So, for me, um, I have no idea what we're going to do. Um, Des Bryant, hell yeah. I mean, we want that, but... So, D-Money, I want to hear your uh, your point on this. Uh, so, we, we got Alan Hearns, right? So, yeah, Alan, Alan Hearns is coming yeah. over to... The Cowboys. Exactly. So, so what do you do? So do you, so do you pull bees, or do you pull Williams, or do you play like, like for me, it it would be Des Bees Hearns. That that that's who it would be. But, I mean, at the end of the day, who knows. So, at the end of the day, what would you do? I mean, I, I, the way I look at the Cowboys is uh, pretty simple. Uh, what you've got here is a situation where you've got older players that have underachieved. Let's be fair. The Cowboys uh, yeah, have underachieved. Definitely being fair. And, you know, you've got younger players coming up. I, I, I talk, We talked about this before. I think Beasley's job is in jeopardy because of Ryan Switzer. I think if Switzer has a good enough camp to uh, maybe wrestle a starting job, Beasley's going to get cut. I, I really believe that. I, I think just because of the Cowboys' uh, situation financially, uh, a couple of these uh, veteran wide receivers are at risk getting cut uh, for that reason alone. I mean, Ter- Terrence Williams has been there for a couple of years. Uh, he's had his cup of tea. He really hasn't done anything with it. So I, I think uh, Williams is uh, also at risk and you know, Des, by virtue of not wanting to do a pay cut, he's at risk of getting cut too because the Cowboys, for all intents and purposes, can't afford to keep uh, paying some of these guys when they know they have to uh, uh, begin thinking about uh, fixing the cap space enough to exactly. uh, be able to exactly. re-sign yeah. uh, Dak Prescott because it's it's getting there. I mean, you're in year three, uh, year four, that extension's going to be uh, begging to be kicked in, so they got to start figuring out the musical chairs to uh, uh, do what needs to be done. Exactly. So the the chairs are already being done. So exactly. So say you have Hearn. Like, do you drop Terrence or do you drop these? I mean, uh, I, I I I I think Terrence Williams is already out the door. I mean, he should be. He should be. He should be at the door. 
Yeah, I, I think the fact that he's uh, still maintained as long as he has on the Cowboys is a credit to his career and success of longevity because I think a number of guys would actually want that life. But Kearns and Bees have both played slot all their life. So, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, what do you do? Well, I, I mean, for me, you play Dez, you play Hearns, you play Bees, and then you play your fourth receiver, which, Jesus Christ, we just got a receiver from the fucking Bears. I have no idea what his name is, but... Uh, basically, you picked up... Um... Oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah, you, you know who I'm talking about, though. Yeah, no, I know I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I'm, I'm blanking on his, uh, on his name for some reason, but... But... Yeah. We're banking on him as our fourth. Yeah, it, it it's 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 not nearly what it was. It's not the worst in football, but it's not nearly what it was. And given the salary that you're paying Des, somebody's going to have to capitulate, and it's exactly. pro- and it's exactly. probably going to be the Cowboys by having to cut Des or trade him if, if they can get even close to uh, value, other than. Uh, teams looking for a salary dump. Uh-huh. All right, so uh, get into something that I've been meaning to talk about uh, since the news broke yesterday is the Giants trading Jason Pierre-Paul to the Buccaneers for a third-round pick and what amounts to an exchange of fourth-round picks between the Giants and Bucks. For the services of JPP, who stands to be at a $17.5 million uh, cap uh, roster uh, salary uh, for the team. So, uh, basically, the entire offseason has been devoted to uh, getting uh, uh, JPP off the books for the Giants. And for Tampa, they're willing to spend now through free agency and trades just to solidify that defense. But the question remains for Tampa is, what are you going to get out of Jameis Winston? Because Jameis is the biggest hindrance on that team right now. He's got to be better with the football, and nothing is showing that he's working on his mechanics. So I'm very much curious to see what Vince looks like in the next couple of days, just because I'm seeing too many videos of, uh, I mean, in in terms of... uh, of uh, what the Bucks are going to be looking like is I've I've seen too many, too many things going on right now where people are saying the Giants are completely in tank mode, but realistically the Giants have to save the cap space uh, by moving JPP uh, because they have to figure out a way of affording Odell, uh, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and the only way to do it is to. Uh, clear at least $20 million in cap space, which is what they did with JP coming off the books uh, for next year. So this year, it's only a $2.5 million uh, savings because of uh, uh, the contract structure. The uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, upfront money was still going to count against the cap. So next year, what's uh, not guaranteed that's going to free up the $20 million for the Giants to do the extension with Odell. 
So, as a Cowboys fan, Cam, how do you feel about the Giants trading JPP given the number of times he's embarrassed the Cowboys? I like it. Love it. Oh, I know I you mean, love it because you. you, you I you, mean, I mean, there, there's no, there is no cons to this. Like, go, go to the Bucks. See you later. And then, yeah, the Giants will get a couple of top picks, but I mean, it's not worth it to me. That that's my. I mean, Jason Pierre Paul, whatever. Like, go to the box. Literally, to me, like, it has nothing. Because the Cowboys is good at the end of the day. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that. Do, if, do you not agree? I mean, I, I look at this and I, and, I, and I would say if I'm a Cowboys and Eagles fan, I'm glad I don't have to face JPP twice a year anymore. As a Giants fan, I look at it as like it's being realistic about where the team is, and you might as well uh, uh, enjoy uh, uh, a little bit of uh, cap savings by bringing in some veterans. But uh, I-, I think the Giants are going to be in a, a painful situation next year with a team that's still not good enough to get over the hump. And even though they made some acquisitions, I think it's probably. Uh, next year where you're going to see something from the Giants. Not necessarily this year because they just got too many moving parts this year. Uh, again, the one stat that I brought up with the Giants is uh, uh, is that since 2010 through 2014, uh, there's only one player from those drafts that's still on the active roster, and that's OBJ, which is embarrassing of a track record for Jerry Reese. So, Dave Gellman's trying to rebuild the Giants through draft picks because we've missed on so many draft picks now that we have a lost generation of Giants players because they uh, they just uh, could not identify the proper players. I mean, we've whiffed on so many fourth-round uh, through sixth-round picks that, yeah, it'd be nice if you had a home run, but if you're, if you're striking out... I mean, Jerry Reese, if we were talking about batting average... Jerry Reese would be dangerously below the Mendoza line. He'd be like at a 100. I mean, that's how bad Jerry Reese was as a... Actually, it might even be less than 100 because basically Jerry Reese had a hit uh, one player every... uh, Hold on, let me do the math in my head. So basically one player every 50 picks or so. Even being on the kind side, I, I'd say one pick out every every 50, just because if you're only getting uh, two guys worthwhile from each draft and you're get, and getting all those picks, I mean, basically, uh, Jerry Reese was in control for over <laughs> for over 10 years. That, that's how bad it was uh, for the Giants. So uh, the Giants have to do these moves. I don't see the Giants taking a QB in the number two spot. I see them trading down. Just because I think Gettleman recognizes, yeah, we can keep Eli and hope that. Dude, what re- about Davis Webb, dude? Well, I think Davis Webb is gonna get some looks by Gettleman. I, I think they're gonna. Take- right, well, then, then, then don't talk shit about him. I didn't talk. I didn't badmouth Davis Webb. All right, well, keep it keep it coming. Uh, Davis Webb, for those of you who are uninitiated, is a Texas <laughs> Tech guy, so. 
Cam will defend him to the death. By the way, if, if you if you needed to know a background, he, he went to Tech. He he got cut. Went to West Virginia or Cal, right? Cal. Yeah, he went. He went. He went, out, he went out to Cal, Cal after things didn't work yeah. out with Tech. Cal, he went to Cal, and if you ever uh, go to but, his Twitter, he's all tech. He's all tech. Yeah, so. but the reason why he didn't make it in tech is because of someone named uh, Pat Mahomes. That's the guy who beat him out in tech. Pat Mahomes, and guess who else? Oh, uh, oh, oh, your boy. Oh, jeez. No. No, Pat Mahomes is my boy. No, 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 no. But the guy before Mahomes, why am I blanking on his name? Um, oh, jeez. Oh, Blake him. Come on. Come on. Oh, jeez. What was there's, his name? There's one more. There's one more. I know. He's. I think he's in the. Uh, I think he's in the the Arena League right now. Um, uh, I think he went to OU. Oh yes, your 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 boy Pooper, <laughs> Pooper. No, no, no. I was thinking the guy before Mayfield, but yeah, no, yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, Mr. Mayfield, uh, the the Heisman yeah, winner. Definitely, Mr. Mayfield. Mr. Mayfield, who is, uh, I would say without question, a top five QB in this draft, based off of all the pundits I've been listening to. Uh, I know you've got strong feelings about him, but I think uh, realistically, there's two spots where Mayfield could end up going. One hey. is Cleveland. Another one, dude. dude Cleveland is going to be dirty this year. And Cle- two, he's going to the Jets. Yeah, I was going to say the Jets. Uh, he- he's going to the Jets. If he doesn't go to the Jets, I mean. I have no idea what else is going to happen. Well, I, 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 the reason why I say he's he's got a good chance of going to the Jets is uh, from the standpoint of he's a loud personality that has charisma, and the yep. Jets love charisma because they need to sell papers because they're so desperate for attention because it's a Giants town that they do whatever they can to grab headlines away from the Giants, even though it's more often than not Negative publicity for the Jets. The Jets will still force feed. They love it though. They love it. They love it. I don't think they actually do. I I just think they tolerate it because football is such a (laughs) short season. It's like uh, Jets fans have that irrational exuberance, but because the season's so short, they don't have to live with the misery. Mets fans live with the misery season after season for baseball, which is probably one of the biggest reasons why I think they're pushing for more appetizers because they're, tr- they're trying to get people more engaged with uh, uh, with uh, uh, what they need to do. But I-, I still think, at the end of the day, the Jets are the best, uh, well, not the best, well, but but, pro- but probably the most logical place. Uh, yeah, with uh, uh, Mayfield. Because I, I just think it's, it's going to attract the... <laughs> attract the fan base into selling jerseys. And I think that's what the Jets really care about at the end of the day. It's selling jerseys. Are you breaking up, bud? No, I I was saying at the end of the day, I I think that's what the Jets care about the most. It's just selling jerseys. No, I I hear you. 
But um, yeah, I so sell that, sell that. I hear you now. Okay, uh, so uh, basically, what I was saying is that at the end of the day, uh, the Jets make the most sense out of uh, out of landing spots for Mayfield because they're concentrating on selling jerseys and. Uh, outside of football ability, I, I, I think Mayfield's the best guy uh, you can market your team around. So that's why I think the Jets make the most sense uh, for QBs because personality-wise, Mayfield lines up with what the Jets are looking for most in the QB. Oh, I agree, and I fucking hate him. Noted. All right. Yeah, note, note that down. But, by the way, like, dude, there's no way that they should. He's a Manziel. He's the next one. There you go. 1020. I I wouldn't go so far as labeling Mayfield Manziel just because Manziel had so many issues going on that people were just glossing over uh, into that draft. I, I. uh, Manziel just was not ready for professional uh, life. No, no, no matter how low of a draft pick he ended up being, uh, how low on the totem pole, I, I just don't think he was ready for fandom in uh, on the NFL level. So what do you think about him uh, getting a pro day? Uh, Manziel? I, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's going to draw some eyeballs, but I, I think most teams have figured out that you don't know what you're going to get from him, so why bother taking a chance? He's going to have to bet so on himself. So what does that mean? So no, what does that mean? No, what it means is that uh, uh, he's he's going to have to bet on himself, uh, uh, Manziel, and just try to earn his stripes through other avenues, even if it's uh, kind of going through uh, uh, a array of football or the CFL. I, I think Manziel's got to do it that way. To show that he can manage an entire season being the guy. Because just doing a pro day, I don't think that's enough to win a backup job. Because you still have to show that you can be consistent. Uh, and I, I think Manziel's just going to have to do it professionally in another league before he can be considered being brought back on an NFL roster. So, so you think he actually has to prove himself like that? Uh... Oh yeah, just, I, I, destroy. Yeah, no, he, he's he's got to be he's got to be able to prove that he can stay clean and uh, be sober and execute. But I think he's going to have to do it for a long enough period by playing professionally elsewhere for an NFL team to consider him uh, seriously for uh, practice squad QB or backup QB job. Yeah, for how long though? No, no, just a season. I, I, yeah, he, he he plays a he plays a full season sober. I, I know he had some agreement with with a judge to uh, cover him, but essentially, I look at it as that that's something he's got to do for a couple of sessions at least, and uh, get comfortable with uh, uh, everything that's been going on in a professional capacity. Because again, it's the professionalism that's at issue with Johnny Manziel. So. He's got to be able to prove it elsewhere first before the NFL is going to take another sh- chance on him. 
Exactly. So uh, he has to prove it like all day. Yeah. Like, anyway, Cam, I'm going to wrap this one lay up. down in the grass. Yeah. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna wrap this one up here tonight just because we we got more games coming tomorrow so we're gonna rest up but congrats again to you in Texas Tech I know it's a big night for you so I'm gonna let you enjoy the rest of it sir but uh, we're gonna be, uh, get right back at it soon enough. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.